0: Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again. So you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You found a place to belong here in the circle of friends. I'm Missy and I'm with Gwen. Thanks Mm -hmm. for joining me this week, Gwen. Hi. Hi, it is
1: always a pleasure to be here Like Missy. I love sitting down in God's word with you and just gleaning and walking our way through it.
0: It's it's really fun. And I hope, hopefully our listeners have kind of uh, found the process through this this week exciting. And maybe that encourages them to kind of dig into some things on their own in terms of context and uh, looking further and uh, bits and pieces of culture that will help them. Uh, again, I'd like to mention the book that you brought. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called. Absolutely. Uh, it's from Rose Publishing. It's it's called The Rose Book of Bible Charts maps and timelines. And if you just look under Rose Publishing, you, it'll pop up and yeah. it's available. It's not very expensive. It's it's beautifully illustrated with tons and tons and tons of information to give historical context as you read yes. the Bible. And, you know, speaking of historical context, I just,
1: you know, kind of in between yesterday and today did a little bit of fact checking on just details. Like, for example, around 70 AD is when um, Rome comes in and just destroys the temple. And the Do that because of the Jewish revolt that starts at about 66 AD. Um, So it starts about four years before they actually come in and destroy that temple. Um, But interestingly enough, this book is supposed to have been written between 60 and 65 um, AD. So right before that um, Jewish revolt. Um, And so you had a lot of believers who fled Jerusalem right before that point to avoid joining the Jewish revolt. They did not want to. Be a part of that, yeah. or be viewed as that.
0: You know, it's interesting because I'm I'm connecting some dots on my own here as I think about historically as Jesus uh, came and he was. He was bringing his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, what did they expect with that? They, they they really expected
1: him to conquer
0: Rome. Take over Rome. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so those that were dispersed, though, who, who understood the sacrifice that Jesus made and that he was the Messiah understood that his kingdom was not of the world. It wasn't to take over Rome. So they yeah. didn't get involved in that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Whereas the other Jews were still kind of th- in the mindset and thinking, okay, this is, you know, uh, we're, we're going to take over Rome because they've been over us mm-hmm. for so long. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the kingdom that's going to come. Yeah. But it was, it's, that's not the focus. I mean, that's absolutely. obviously, and I think we can be, the thing is, we can be the same way, right? Yes. We can think that this world is our home, that this world where we're at, our culture, our life, our, everything revolves around us rather than simply. Saying, no wait this is this world is not our home it's not even i mean scripture tells us that god has given it over to satan he's the prince and, uh, and ruler of this world Absolutely. i mean god is overall and he has he has defeated satan but in terms of where we're living now this isn't paradise no it's not. It, it was never meant to be paradise god created paradise and then he had to lock us out of paradise so we wouldn't <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so we 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 wouldn't eat of the a tree of that would give us eternal life and always be separated from him eternally. He sent a yeah. son to provide that sacrifice. So Absolutely. all these things do work together and having a little bit of background and understanding some of it is, is so helpful when we read the word of God. Yes. And, and you know, um, I've watched in the last
1: couple months, I've watched The Chosen, which is written by um, Dallas Jenkins. And I will tell you, I one thing he does really well in that is the cultural setting of just the tension between the Romans and the Jews that there's just this constant tension of the Romans are Romans are in charge and they want to be in charge, but they've kind of tenuously allowed the Jews to kind of micromanage their domain, so to speak. Um, But then you have Rome coming in harsh anytime they want to. And so you have just kind of this microcosm environment of just dissension and just Mm. fraction, just building and building and building. And so in history, what do we see in, you know, 66 AD, it blows and the Jews start to rebel. Bell against rome's authority and their oppression um and then that culminates in rome coming in and just destroying the temple um to kind of subdue the jews is basically what they're trying to do um and so that is the context for this that there's been suffering and i mean imagine they're getting it from rome but they're also getting it from jewish believers or jewish people um the jewish faith and so there's just a whole lot of that on both sides and these are people that have been scattered from jerusalem to the surrounding areas okay so let's jump in in chapter two i'd like to kind of get through chapter two today and maybe we'll see where we go from there okay so starting in verse one of chapter two therefore putting aside all malice all deceit hypocrisy and envy and all slander Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is... Choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus.
0: You know, um, I'm noticing the word chosen again, which he used mm-hmm. in chapter one as well, um, and we'll use again throughout First Peter. Yeah, being chosen and the idea of being chosen. You talked about uh, the. It's not a movie. It's a series, The Chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) we, We think about being chosen, like God chose us. That's an amazing thing. That is so, I don't. I don't know about you, but it gives me not just hope, but it, it kind of wraps me in insecurity and love and the fact that God chose us. He, you know, we love him because he lo- He first yeah. loved us. Um, I love that. And I, I love that, you know, Peter kind of lays it out for him and says, hey, you, you know, he talks about the disbursement in chapter one. He talks about um, the persecution that they're facing. He talks about the hope that they have and the hope that is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of getting, down to brass tacks with him isn't yes, he he's saying is. okay look you he- you, you got to get rid of this stuff. That's not good in your life. You got to quit being a baby about things. you got to (laughs) grow up and mature spiritually. Um, yeah, I love it. And he, he reminds me again, you're chosen by God and precious to him.
1: Yes. So, and the image is a baby drinking milk and, and for moms out there, you know, that, you know, a newborn infant needs fed almost every two hours. Um, you know, and so it's a constant, intake of milk um and so i like the picture of you know as a newborn baby you know, as, um, as newborns desire that pure milk of the word, uh, that's what, as a new believer, we should have that coming into us all the time as a believer who wants to grow, Mm -hmm. you know, how much words going into you? How much are you in God's word? How many sips have you taken Mm -hmm. today?
0: (laughs) The passion puts verse two this way in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word for this. This milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of the Lord Jehovah and have experienced his kindness. So uh, Peter's just reminding them that this goodness that they've tasted from the Lord, that's from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and where can they continue on in this kindness in his word? Yeah. And you know, you
1: have to just wonder, we don't know this for sure, but Peter is the one apostle who we know for sure was married. And so you have to wonder if he didn't have a little one at home.
0: You know, this is funny. I've never seen this before. My daughter sent me a a little video of her, uh, of our youngest granddaughter. And she's, she carries around a Pillow, and takes it to her mama when she wants to nurse, and it is the sweetest <laughs> thing ever. Like you know, it's just like, because my daughter uses a pillow, you know, to mm-hmm. to give support to her as she's holding the baby, and the baby just drags this pillow up to her mama and just like, she's just so sweet and so begging, so longing mm-hmm. for, uh, the closeness and all of that, that brings. Mm-hmm. And I, so when I I'm, was so I'm reading the scripture, I'm thinking, Oh, let's take my little pillow and go to God and mm-hmm. ask for him to reveal himself in his word, because you're longing for that Absolutely. and what that represents in terms of the closeness, the intimacy and, and the, the necessary nourishment for our souls and for yeah. our being. Um, and we You have to want it, right? I mean, Absolutely. we have to desire it. And God, God is there. He's given us his word, but unless we open it up and read it, you know, that's our part. <laughs> He's provided what we need. We need to make the choice to, to take nourishment from it. Yeah. Um, I'm anxious to
1: kind of, or I'm curious, I guess is a better word of, to see what the passion says about five through seven.
0: All right. Well, because we
1: have another reference to a sacrifice here.
0: Let's read that. Come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion, a chosen and priceless stone. And whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. Now, the thing I want to point out um, here is that these guys are,
1: these believers are scattered. They're Jewish believers mostly, and they're scattered into this region. Okay, and now the interesting thing of this is if they're scattered, they're not close to what? Temple. And so they would have felt the distance from the temple, like jewish people their heart is in their temple especially back in that day and so for them to be so far away and and you have here this peter's just reminding them like listen you have a a a, you guys are being built up into a spiritual temple for a holy priesthood um to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus that you know and and isn't that just beautiful to give them comfort Mm. um to give them comfort in that way, because of what Christ did, they don't need to be at the temple to offer a sacrifice. They, they can worship in spirit and truth. It's exactly like what Jesus told the woman at a well, um, a time is coming Mm -hmm. when you can offer anything offered in spirit and truth is acceptable to me that it's not about a temple, you know, isn't
0: that beautiful. I mean, right there it is. You know, it's, it's, it's so key here that Peter recognized how important the temple is is to them, and he—that's his illustration here in verse seven. Uh, at verse six, starting with verse six. Uh, See, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. So that—that's—that's that's Christ, mm. the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. And then he goes on into verse nine, but this idea of the temple, uh, and them recognizing that it's, it's, it's not the temple made of, of stone that can crumble and was crumbled, was destroyed Mm -hmm. by Rome, as we talked about. In just a short couple of years. Yes. After this was written. After this was written. And indeed, during the time that it was probably, you know, passed around the churches and people Mm -hmm. were reading it, they had, they had a, a, a total, uh, illustration a a living illustration of what that looked like that the temple was destroyed this may have even for them had a little bit of a
1: prophetic encouragement you know that would have prepared them for the temple's destruction you know and so god in his wisdom would definitely have done that that's part of his character you know is that sometimes he prepares us for things that are yet to come to pass. Um, and so they definitely would have probably raced back to this letter upon hearing that the temple was destroyed for sure, um, to find encouragement and solace in, um, the words of Peter.
0: Um, I love verse nine. It's always been a a favorite verse of mine. Um, but you are a chosen generation, a Royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Verse ten goes on: Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God; who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The great exchange that you talked about yesterday, yeah, when absolutely. where you know you were dead and now you're alive. You were dead in your trespasses, absolutely. but now you're alive in Christ. Um, and then idea of being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's reminding them that God has chosen them, but it goes beyond just the Jewish faith here. It goes to those who have belief in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Uh, So that means... Jews, Gentiles, they are one in Christ. Exactly. So that applies to us. And when Mm. I read these, I'm reminded that I'm part of that chosen generation, that royal priesthood, that holy nation. I'm part of his holy people. But there's a purpose in that, right? Absolutely. He hasn't just called us out to make us different or to set us apart. He called us out that we might proclaim him... uh, because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were once far from him, but now we're close to him. We were not a people, but now we're the people of God. We hadn't obtained mercy, but now we've obtained mercy. I mean, oh, the, to really grasp this and understand this, I think more than anything else gives you an anchor to hold on to regardless of circumstances of life around you.
1: Absolutely, you know. I was just thinking of this idea of darkness to light because, the other day, (laughs) the other day with the kids, the, the lights went out and in our household in certain places in the house it's there's not a lot of light getting to like one hallway or whatever and and for the, my kids at the age where it is darkness is just not a good thing yeah. so we're putting you know little lights here and there and night lights and all kinds of things anyway um, and I had to just chuckle because with this Ill- illustration like darkness, there would have been huge because there was no street lamps there were I mean that right. stuff no All, the only light you had would have been a little candle um and, and an oil thing and that was good to about light the path in front of you and that was about it you you know you lit up about a step or two and that would be about it but inside a house with shiny metal you could get that to really glow anyway so keeping in mind that they were used to the darkness where you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I mean, that was the darkness they knew. Um, and so thinking about how scary that kind of darkness can be because it's so disorienting. And emotionally, when you're going through suffering, when your world has been upheaved upheaved, and just flipped Completely, or you've moved or you've had to change jobs or, you know, that there's just a lot of turmoil and, and chaos. You can feel like you're walking through the darkness, like you can't see where you're going. You don't know where you're at. You don't know what's up and what's down. That darkness can be so disorienting. Um, and so this picture of just his marvelous light, that we've been pulled out of the disorienting darkness into his marvelous light. And then I was looking a little bit further down at verse 11, and it says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. It's just this image of you're surrounded by these lusts, probably, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in cultures that they're being exposed to things that in their little Jewish bubbles in Jerusalem, they wouldn't have been, you know, they're probably in cities with some temple worship with pagan culture and, and traditions and all kinds of things where they're really having to navigate some of this kind of stuff that maybe they wouldn't have had to before.
0: Well, and it, 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 kind of takes me back to the very first thing he said in the first verse to put away all malice, all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander. Uh, so obviously Peter Mm -hmm. himself has heard some kind of things of he's heard of them and some of the things that are happening there and what's going on. And so, so he's advising them. And so when we come to verse 12, Uh, we
1: see in detail
0: some right. of the stuff they're facing. Right, exactly. It exactly. says,
1: "Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing, um, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evil doers, they may, because of your good deeds." as they see them or observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So in other words, the whole point of this is so that eventually they can come to understand salvation and glorify God in that day.
0: Wow. And I think this verse 12, 1 Peter 2, verse 12, speaks to us today.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Keep our conduct among the world and the culture that we live in honorable I just I just feel this so strongly that we need to be honorable, that we need to follow what God uh, calls us to, that we need to love, that we need to show grace and mercy, that we need to speak kindly, that we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to love the world. We don't need to love what they're doing, but we certainly need to see them with God's eyes. Yes. And,
1: and... What fellowship hath light with darkness? Mm-hmm. That verse comes to mind. It's just kind of this idea that we should not be trying to look like the world, fit into the world around us. Yeah. And this book of First Peter definitely carries that, that we're different. We have a new and living hope. We should not be acculturalizing or abs- being absorbed into mm. the culture. Oh. We shouldn't be losing our sense of who we are to get along with culture, oh,
0: this is such a powerful and important message, and I, it's a soapbox I could stand on day after day after day. And a reminder mm-hmm. that, if listen, listeners, if you look like the world, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Let's let's just admit that. If we as a body of believers, if we as Christians, in you know in the North American culture, if we look like the rest of the world we we've got this Something's wrong. off way off something's off way off and we need to get this right we are countercultural to yeah. the world and that means love and grace that doesn't mean uh Con- Acceptance and blending yeah. in right. and, or, or and even every, anything goes. The, the, even the further end of it, condemnation and judgment and so right. on and so forth. We need to live our life obedient to the word of God, yeah. full of his grace and mercy and truth and understanding that it's by our, by living out what he's called us to, that we can show by example. And then what, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of words are you using? You know, are you... It, because if if you're not living it out, if you're saying if you're saying one thing and doing another, that's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And hypocrites are not enamored by anybody. Yeah, everybody can see that, and they don't want anything to do with it. Well, and and
1: let's let's talk about our context now versus what they were doing in their culture. They didn't. In the midst of their culture, they didn't go around to a pagan person and start attacking how they were living their life and and the sin in their life and that kind of thing. That wasn't the first thing they did. The first thing they lived was an example in front of them of love, of kindness, of gentleness, of not retaliating, of not slandering back, of, you know, just they lived a life different so that they earned the right to talk about the hope that was within them. That's very different than Mm. our context. And I want to talk more about that, but I think we're probably at the end
0: of today. I think that's a good subject for tomorrow. I think I'm going to
1: open that one up when we get back tomorrow. Um, listeners i hope that you spend some time this evening and just devouring god's word sit here ask god what this looks like for you and what you need to do with what you've heard today Um, as always it is a pleasure and a privilege to open god's word with you here at the table you have found a place to belong here in the circle of friends
0: to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.
1: Step back in time with a stay at one of the oldest buildings in historic Berlin, Ohio, the Worthman House. This charming building has a rich history with origins dating back to as early as the mid-1800s. The newly restored two-bedroom, one-bathroom suite has hardwood floors and gorgeous chestnut trim throughout. It is also outfitted with locally made Amish furniture. It can sleep six and offers a beautiful panoramic view of Berlin's Main Street. Its location in the heart of Berlin is an ideal spot for walking to various restaurants and shops. Book your stay at the Worthman House through VRBO.